following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. They'll know you've arrived when you drive up in the 1958 Edsel, the car that's truly new from nameplate to taillights. Oh, hello, Dennis. And now your host, Walt Disney. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to that tip-top terrific and splendidly prolific waltz down memory lane, the Mid-Modcast. And here are your Mid-Modcasters, Craig, Paula, and Dave. Welcome to the Mid-Modcast, where all your mid-century dreams come true. Yes, that's right. I'm Craig. Who are you people? I'm Paula. And this is Dave. Greetings from a beautiful sunny day in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, that's rare sweet. yeah i know Good for especially you. this time of year tis yes. the season yes mid modcast midmodcast.com you can check us out download this podcast give us a five-star rating yes because please. we like five-star ratings and a I'm good review that. yes and a good review would be extra swell bump us up <laughs> bump us uh, we, I still have not paid the bill on the phone, so we won't mention that oh, uh, till I, I get around to doing that. I guess I've got messed up priorities. There's things like work and paying bills and all that, that kind and, of, and you have take like, precedence. do you have like five jobs now or something, right? <laughs> How many podcasts do you have? I do three podcasts three. and right. uh, I, I still, still work at the church. Yeah. I'm yeah. Still and you're a chaplain and, uh, now. A chaplain for the police department, and uh, I clean Lou. I also did the carpets today. So yes, he actually I, made his own carpet. I made cleaner. my. I I Googled homemade carpet cleaner, and it works like a charm. It's really wow. good. It's water. It's white vinegar, a little bit of dish soap, a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. Didn't bleach the carpets or anything, but worked great. Wow. Anyway. We're not that kind of show, though, in case no. people are confused. Yeah, right. But it's, <laughs> it is kind of like the the home home kind of remedy kind of thing that mom would have made, maybe. There you yeah. go. Yeah, there was the probably some mid-century housewife who concocted her own right. you know, yes. carpet cleaning solution. I wonder what would happen solution. if I put a little dish soap in with a vinegar. Anyway, today we're talking about girl guitarists and... Or musicians in general, Little I guess. rock and roll. Yeah. But first, what what mid-century modern thing have we done since the last time we recorded? Well, we binge-watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Season. <laughs> season four, is it? Four, Five? I believe it is. Four. Yeah. four. Season yeah. four. It yeah, was spectacular. COVID, COVID threw the whole thing out of whack as far as numbers and whatnot. So. And it's been two years. They couldn't record. They right. couldn't um, film no. because of COVID. So yeah. yeah. So they and, actually had to get a new little girl because she was oh, too big. Did they really? really? Mm-hmm. I wow. didn't hear that. Yep. I didn't know. I didn't even know. Her daughter was replaced because she had gotten <laughs> too large by the time they recorded. Her it daughter on the it, show was growing. replaced. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Her daughter on the show. <laughs> yeah. Because. Uh, it went to fit chronologically well, with, the, and, with the story. Did you two get the impression watching this season that they must have just like thrown buckets of money at, yes. at the producers? 
So two things really stick in my mind from this season, and it's not going to spoil anything for people who haven't watched it, but that Wonder Wheel scene, <clears throat> pardon me, that <gasps> oh, that scene was yes. ingenious. That was oh, so incredible. Awesome. <laughs> Them and talking then, on the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think of how many times <laughs> they had to cut. And I mean, editing that thing was so well done. And then the snowstorm in the final episode, I was just amazed at that. I mean, it looks so you know, real. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. some of the acting was was stupendous this season, oh, yeah, too, man. with Lenny Bruce and and oh. um and Mrs. Maisel. They had some really beautiful scenes. And together. she's always stunning and amazingly oh. well dressed. I mean, yeah. her okay, look, I'm I'm getting a little, you know, out there now, but her uh -oh. her wardrobe, she's just beautiful. Oh, yeah. In the, it's in incredible. That wardrobe. She's yes. stunning. And then also we saw West Side Story, the new West Side story that came out, the yes. Steven Spielberg version. Yes. And I wanted to give it a little mention because I, I spoke about it in a previous episode. So Correct, you did. it was very good. I enjoyed it. Um, and I like the, the musical numbers. Cool. That was a really cool. good one. And uh, the one where they were at the gym and the colors of the dresses and the dancing. And it was really, really well done. What'd you yeah. think, Dave? Well, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think uh Spielberg did a really, really great job. Yeah, now that now that all three of us have seen it, we can uh talk about it a little more freely. Um one I mean, obviously the one thing that I was super impressed by was that they were able to um have a, a Latinx cast because I mean, um uh, Wait, uh, Natalie Wood wasn't Puerto Rican? Is that what you're <laughs> telling me? Right, right, no. Um, oh, right. Yeah, uh, and then uh, what? Let's see, George Chakiris, um He he was he's Greek, um, so they just had to use makeup, I guess, to make them all look Puerto Rican. But anyway, so I was. It was cool to see um, to to see uh, a Latinx cast, and then. Also, did you guys notice there was a lot of Spanish with no subtitles? Yeah, I yes. did notice that. Yeah. Made and me feel like I was back in California. I did. <laughs> right? I did. Made so, me a little homesick. Spielberg was asked about that, and he said, well, we didn't want to do that because then it made it seem like English should be the dominant language for this movie, <laughs> and it's not. So they didn't put subtitles. But I mean, uh, most, and it was understandable. Oh yeah, most of like the lines were repeated in English right after they were spoken in Spanish. So. You know, I I didn't that didn't didn't even register with me, Dave. Really, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, now that you pointed out, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, mean, there was a tiny authentic. bit of of Spanish in the uh, in the sixty one version, um, but uh, it wasn't enough that it that it needed um, subtitles. But but there were more extensive scenes in Spanish only in this particular version, but I thought, I thought it was well done. Um, There's lots of great cars and oh scenes gosh, from the man. 1950s, yeah. really yeah, good yeah. sets that you don't see normally. Well, and now I, I will say as far as the script goes, I honestly thought that the 1961 version had a little more of the sexual tension than this one does. Uh, oh, I would agree with uh, that. But, 
I just, I would say the chemistry was a little better yeah. than the original. For yeah, some reason, I oh, yeah. didn't feel the strong chemistry between right. Baby Driver and the other girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I just, I just didn't feel that, yeah. For some reason, there wasn't a lot of heat in that. Yeah, I, Definitely between Anita and Bernardo. That right, was good. Right, yeah. But not yeah. between the two main characters for some reason. Yeah, I thought... I thought Anita in the newer version was more overtly sexy or sexual. Yeah. I'm going to say it, but um, that obviously then in the 61 version, which is pretty chaste, but yeah. Yes. I, yes. I, I thought though, cause I talked a lot about this extensively in my segment, the dancing was just a little over the, just a little above in the original in the 61 oh, version. Yeah. The dancing was just I mean, there were a lot of injuries, though, yeah. and well, there was a price to pay for that amazing dancing. Oh, in so the new one? I thought it was just a little better in the original. Mm -hmm. oh, I was a little more captivated by it. Okay. I don't so know. So how, how did you like the uh, staging for cool in... Interesting. Yeah, that I know was it was good. like that keep away dance with the gun. Yeah, that was so clever. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it, that really was Look, captivating. I, I, I'm not trashing this one at all. I mean, I thought that it was, it was really, really well done, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just like old things. That's, <laughs> That's why we have the mid mod cast. Right. 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 There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and by the way, for our listeners, if we have any newer listeners, Paula is referencing, we, we did a show last year about stuff that was turning 60 um, mm -hmm. So anything that came out in 1961 yeah. in 2021 was turning 60, and Paula talked about West Side Story then. Um, oh, Dave, you have a good memory. Thank goodness yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't remember that. I didn't well, remember that. Of course, yes. And before we uh, leave this topic, I think we've only watched two episodes so far. I think there are four available. But have you guys seen Julia on HBO Max yet? <gasps> no, We're getting not ready yet. to watch That's it on our queue. Yeah. yeah. So is it um, good? It is really good, but I think they really need people like the mid modcasters as consultants because there have been <laughs> yes. a couple there have been a couple uh -oh. things that pop up that I was like, um I I don't I don't think a bright red Tupperware container would have been in existence in the late fifties oh. when the show oh. first opens. Or Very good, 50s. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And then uh, we, we are available for consultation. <laughs> we charge only $800 a minute. No, I and, think uh, that I think free of charge, but if they fly us out to Los Angeles and put us up for four seasons, yeah, yeah four seasons, I'd be willing to consult. Right. What's that place down Laguna beach uh, montage or whatever that is. Yeah. yeah let's do that. <laughs> um, the, uh, the child's, the child's is, uh, they they drive a uh, uh, red '50s era Volvo in the show that is just awesome. So yeah, make sure uh, it, it's great mid-century eye candy, uh, Julia on HBO Max. Oh, very good. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Well, hey, let's launch into our real show. Why don't we? Shall we do that? So uh, let's see, Dave. You're up first. I would know. you Would you like your music now, or would, would you like your music later? Now, please. Oh, wait. Oh, that's your music. Love it. Where there's music, there is no mood 
So, of course, this week we're we're talking, or this episode, we're talking about girl guitarists from the mid-century. And so I, I thought it would be cool to talk about Mary Ford, who is probably the lesser known of the duo Les Paul and Mary Ford. And what we just heard a clip of oh. was their 1951 hit, How High the Moon. Uh, How High the Moon was the duo's second highest charting song during their career, and it spent nine weeks at number one in 1951 wow. yeah later they had another hit called uh via con dios uh that spent 11 weeks at number one so via con dios was their highest charting uh or had the most longevity um of their of their songs so mary ford is mostly known for her singing ability but she was also an accomplished guitarist uh often less would play multi-track parts on guitar with Mary providing vocals uh, again multi-tracked but um and and I thought about using the audio from some of these uh but um it's really better if you see them I found some videos on YouTube where you can kind of see Les and Mary doing like a call and response kind of thing with their guitar parts um, and she does hold her own uh, really well with uh, with less. So um, I thought uh, I'll post those on the Facebook page um, cool. when we when we put up this episode. Um, so let's see. Uh, but but during performances, like I said, uh, I found videos of performances either live or on TV. Mary would play right along less. And interestingly, her guitar of choice was a 1961 Gibson SG Les Paul Custom. <laughs> right. Which, by the Shocking. way... Right. <laughs> which, by the way, uh, I found in a footnote, was sold by Mary's nephew in 2011, uh, where it went for $110,000 in an eBay auction. Wow. That's, that's, a lot wow. Of, that's a lot of bread for a... For an old guitar, right? Um, so before we go much further on their career together, uh, here's a bit of background on Mary. She was born Iris Colleen Summers in El Monte, California. Hey, you yeah, Californians, right. you familiar with El Monte? El Monte, El yeah. Monte, yeah. She was born in 1924. Her parents were gospel singers and preachers at revival meetings across the U.S., prior to settling in California. And, and, and they were, I think they were from Missouri too, by the way, the parents. So you can kind of hear that twangy sound <laughs> to her voice when, when she sings. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, and she came from a very musical family. Her brother, Bruce was a jazz organist and another brother, Bob uh, was a film composer. Uh, Mary, or Colleen began performing as a gospel singer in churches around Pasadena, California. Then in 1943 formed the duo, the sunshine girls with Vivian Earls and June Widener performing Western swing style music in 1945, while performing as a Western vocalist on Pasadena's KXLA show dinner bell roundup time. 
Colleen met Les Paul and they began performing together in 46. So uh, do you guys know radio station KXLA? It's, you know what? I think it was around when we were young. I, oh. I vaguely remember that. I think that's the station that my dad used to listen to big band stuff on. Oh, whoa, little, okay. Oh, really? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, by the time we, might be... we were all on the scene, I'm sure the dinner bell roundup time was probably no longer. But um, anyway, and then in 1948, while uh, traveling on icy roads on Route 66 through Oklahoma, Colleen and Les skidded and crashed into a frozen creek bed. Yikes. And in this accident, Les Paul, by the way, shattered his elbow. I don't know which one, whether it was his left or right, but um, also around this time, um, because he was in the studio so much and on the road so much, uh, Paul's first wife, uh, Virginia Webb, left him and Colleen moved in with Les and cared for him as he recuperated from the car accident. And it would be 18 months before he could finally play again. So luckily it, mm. it did not take away uh, his, his guitar prowess. Eventually, to differentiate her Western career from her new partnership with Paul, Colleen Summers changed her name to Mary Ford. She and Paul married in 1949, and then after their marriage began gaining national attention with a radio program called Les Paul and Mary Ford at Home for the NBC radio network. And they did it right out of their house, uh, which obviously is where the title comes from. Then, while under contract to Capitol Records, Les and Mary became music superstars during the first half of the 1950s, producing 28 hit songs. Uh, their cat, their ca uh, catalog, sorry, included Tiger Rag, uh, Mockingbird Hill, Bye Bye Blues, The World is oh. Waiting for the Sunrise, and the aforementioned How High the Moon and Baya Con Dios. Also, oh. as previously mentioned, their signature sound were their layered or multi-tracked guitar and vocal parts. Now, Craig, we talked about this a little bit before. Um, before the show and you were kind of trying to guess since you know audio engineering is on your resume how in in the early 50s i mean technology was pretty crude at the time uh how right. they how they would have accomplished this so easily or maybe it wasn't so easy <laughs> i i've got to imagine that it wasn't just your off the shelf you buy it at sears kind of deck for one <laughs> Uh, so, but bouncing tracks between decks, I, I could imagine a few ways of doing it, but I, I really don't know how you would do it on a, a mono, let alone a, a stereo, let alone a mono deck, uh, on stereo, if you could isolate each channel, it's oh, stereo right, is two right. channels, but if it's mono, I imagine you would lay down like a drum track and then play along with that as you record on the other deck. And then play along with that as you, but you're going to get hiss and degradation as right, you keep right. going. You know, that's, that's good for maybe four bounces and then you're going to start hearing the problems. So right. I don't know it, how they did it. That was also why I asked you the question pre-show about um, whether they used like m multiple tape decks 
in one recording session and he must have had a way to like turn them all on at the same time so he could be playing all those parts on various decks while he recorded to a master i don't know yeah it's... even even a lot of the older decks there were like foot switch remotes and stuff like that oh that were there use. okay so maybe he he figured out how to daisy chain them or something I yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so uh, on that topic, uh, I found a video on YouTube from 1953 when Paul and Ford appear on appeared on a show called Omnibus hosted by Alastair Cook, where they demonstrated with reel to reel tape decks how they got their signature sound. And that's our next um, sound file. That, I think, is the basis now. Quite seriously, they they work. They have a setup which is nothing more than tape recorders in their own home, and in fact, they are uh, working day and night. We just grab them because they have their own television show. But maybe they've got time to tell us how you really make your record, starting at A and moving slowly on to B. Seriously, seriously, right. on the level. Uh, we turn the tape machines on. They're just a standard, regular uh, Ampex tape machine, mm -hmm. and. Uh, we play the first part on the guitar. All this right. is the rhythm part. Now you, you put your earphones on and you play another part to it. Is that That's right? right? Got it? I get the idea now of the background. That's the background. That's the background. You play this, all this to Mary, is that right? Or does she do it separately? Well, Mary will hear the part that's already made, and then she sings on to it. I first, see. First I'll make the first part first. Mm -hmm. Okay. All set, Mary? Mm -hmm. Give me a G chord. Right. Somewhere there's music, I'll face the doom. Somewhere there's heaven, how high the moon. Now right. I'll add a tenor part to that. All right. Wait a minute. You're on. Somewhere there's music, I'll paint the tune. Somewhere there's heaven, how high the moon. What's the most tracks you've ever made? Well, the most that we've put out on the market uh, is 12 guitars and 12 of Mary singing. Does that mean 24 tracks? Very good. <laughs> Wow. It, is, is that a video on YouTube or where'd you it, get that from? It, it is on YouTube. And um, I, okay. I guess, you know, the, the sound quality isn't super great because it's from, you know, it's from a 53, 1953 broadcast. So yeah. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, Paula is a musician. I don't even know how you split up. How do you split up the human voice into 12 parts? I mean, <laughs> That's a lot of parts. <laughs> That's a yeah. lot of parts, right? You got a desk can and uh, two desk cans. So right. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, as happened with many performers of that era, Paul's and Ford's popularity became threatened by the rise of rock and roll. Eventually, they faded from the charts in the late fifties. And then eventually the couple divorced in late 1964. Um, after divorcing Paul Ford had a brief career as a folk artist, so mm. she didn't give up music entirely. Once, uh, she split with, um, Les Paul, uh, she did continue for a time. Sadly, we lost Mary Ford to alcoholism in 1977 oh. at the age of 53. So she was wow. super young oh, no. when she passed. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to think, you know, what 
what these musicians could have accomplished had they, you know, lived longer. I'm sure there would have been a reunion because, you know, reunions are a thing. There would have been a reunion between um, Les and Mary. But um, anyway, uh, the year after she passed, uh, she and Paul were inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Uh, the, duo, uh, the duo also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for recording. Um, and then, uh, by the way, we, we lost uh, Les Paul in 2009 at the age of 94. So wow. he, out, he outlived Mary by uh, quite a few years. So we're, we're all talking about like legendary and trailblazing uh, musicians. I think uh, they're definitely, in, uh, definitely need to be on that list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, is that it for you, Dave? That is it for me. Then I will jump in because you you mentioned that she died young. I've got an uh, artist who is still going, and she's been going for quite a while. As you enter the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you travel through the history of rock as you first come in. And one of the first displays that you will see and hear, because there are headphones there, are pioneers of rock. Some of them you've heard about, and some of them you've never heard about, and uh, they have all paved the way. Today, I'm talking about a lady who you may have never heard of. I had heard her name, but I had never heard her music. And uh, she really changed the landscape in the 1950s. Before there was the Runaways, the Pretenders, the Go-Go's, the Bangles, <laughs> there was a rockabilly front lady who dated Elvis and is to this day the queen of rockabilly. Not only is she the queen of rockabilly, but she's also been dubbed the sweet lady with the nasty voice. Oh, my goodness. She was inducted into the <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009. She had several hits over the years, including Fujiyama Mama, Mean Mean Man, and <laughs> the top 40 hit, Let's Have a Party. Before there was the Jackson 5, before Janet Jackson saying, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, there was this woman <laughs> of whom it was said, she is the sweet lady with the nasty voice. Her name is Wanda Jackson. A few years ago, Wanda Jackson was in, 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 inducted into the Hall of Fame. I, I remember walking in, I think the first time we actually went to the Rock Hall, and there are all these pictures of artists, and I said, who is that? She's beautiful, uh, gorgeous, uh, brunette lady. And I put on the headphones, and I listened to her, and I heard this. Wanda Jackson was born October 20th, 1937. At the age of six, her father gave her a children's guitar, and from that day forward, her life took on a trajectory that would change the face of popular music forever. Jackson began performing as a child and later in her own radio show in Oklahoma City. She was then discovered by country singer Hank Thompson, who helped her secure a recording contract with Decca Records in 1954. At Decca, Jackson had her first hit. Uh, it's called You Can't Have My Love. Uh, 
She then began touring and uh, the following year, about the age of 17, with another up-and-coming musician. His name was Elvis Presley. <laughs> the two dated. And uh, he encouraged her to switch from country and take on this new rockabilly style. Yeah. And Elvis introduced her to it. Jackson ended up signing with Capitol Records, where she was given full permission to record both country and rockabilly. Wow. The label released a string of Jackson's rock singles, including Fujiyama Mama, Mean Mean Man, and the top 40 hit, Let's Have a Party. She auditioned for local radio station KPLR. She was featured on a program there. Uh, the station's disc jockey was so impressed, uh, they encouraged her to keep going, and she had her own 15-minute radio segment. On the show, Jackson performed a set of country songs and recalled having little understanding of how to host a radio show. She said, I was flying by the seat of my pants, but it didn't scare me to get out on a limb and try something brand new. I liked it. <laughs> 1952, Jackson was heard on air by country singer. Oh, I already mentioned that. Uh, she continued in the vein of country, but also with rockabilly. Uh she was with Decca, but then she ended up out in Hollywood, California, where she recorded her first Decca sessions. Uh, she cut several solo sides with Billy Gray duet, You Can't Have My Love. She ultimately agreed uh, to release her next single tracks, which ended up hitting Billboard Country and Western charts. In March 1955, she returned to the recording studio with Paul Cohen and Decca Records. Now, <laughs> Wanda ended up going to the Grand Ole Opry because she was both a country and rockabilly singer. Wanda had a wardrobe uh, masterpiece artist, I guess you could say, and her mother. Her mother made all of her outfits. They were tight-fitting. Uh, she was quite shapely and lovely. And she had fringes all over the place. <laughs> wow. When Wanda would just tap her toes, the fringes would start to wiggle and shake. <laughs> and uh, people would get scandalized by this. Uh, Wanda was there at the Grand Old Opry, and she had kind of a spaghetti strap top on uh, or dress. And uh, she was told, you can't go out there wearing that. And this is like five minutes before she's supposed to go on. And so she ended up grabbing her coat. And she went out on stage wearing this, this, I guess, jacket. It had fringes, at least. So she, <laughs> she had that going for her. But while she was out there, people were gossiping about her. And she could hear it. And she said, I decided that night the Grand Ole Opry scene was not for me. In 1955, she graduated from Capitol Hill High School in Oklahoma City and began her first tour with that Elvis boy. And uh, Presley was quite infatuated with her. He gave her a ring and he said, will you be my girl? And she Whoa. said, yes. Wow. But then uh, the Colonel got a hold of Elvis and he started making movies and that relationship died very quickly. So uh, Craig, Wanda Jackson's bad. recording uh, started while she was still in high school? Yeah. Wow. That's what I was wondering. She yeah. Was. That's pretty like also awesome. said she graduated from high school. Well, she, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she started performing when she was like 14 years oh, old, okay, like, okay. you know, on the road kind yeah. of thing. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Jackson continued recording rock and roll music under her Capitol record. Uh, 
contract rather. And uh, Jackson also composed several of her Capitol recordings, including Baby Loves Him, Cool Love, and Mean Mean Man. That one keeps coming back around. Writers and critics of her music remarked positively about Jackson's recordings from the 1950s and noted that uh, noted their take on women's sexuality. Mark Boofwack and Robert K. Orman described songs like Baby Loves Him as rockabilly classics. In addition, they commented that Jackson's rock records were sexually aggressive and demonstrated almost <laughs> frightening savagery. That's pretty... <laughs> pretty good you heard wow. her voice i mean she's got that yeah. growl going there That's you know what awesome. i thought her voice sounded like um if mm. if brenda lee were a bad girl she would <laughs> sound like i mean think about it um yes. yeah around I, the christmas I yeah. Get it. yeah yeah anyway uh <laughs> 1957 jackson began working under a new booking agent who who arranged several tours 1957-58 Feller performers included Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Carl Perkins, and she developed strong relationships with all these all these men, not in a sexual way, but just as kind of a baby sister on the road wow, yeah. kind of thing. Dad toured with her and kind of, I think he had an electric cattle prod or something, <laughs> keep the boys away. I'm okay. not sure what. <laughs> but to promote her material, the label, label chose to release Jackson's eponymous debut album in 1958, the uh, record mixed both rock and country selections. Uh, she became famous for releasing albums on one side was country and on the other side was rock. Oh, cool. So it's kind of crazy. In 1958, she saw success overseas with the rock and roll single Fujiyama Mama. And that goes like this. Yeah, I want to hear this. Hiroshima too. The same I did to them, baby, I can do to you. Cause I'm a Fujiyama mama and I'm just about to blow my top. Fujiyama yama, Fujiyama. And when I start erupting, ain't nobody gonna make me stop. I drink a quarter sake, smoke dynamite, I chase it with the backy and then she got the bite of Capital executives were reluctant to release the song (laughs) with its uh, references to Hiroshima and the Nagasaki bombings. But the disc found commercial appeal with Japanese fans. They went nuts for it. It reached number one on the Japanese uh, charts. And uh, she was off touring Japan in 1959. Played venues in Tokyo and Okinawa. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Upon her return to America... She played in Las Vegas with Bob Wills and did additional concerts with her newly formed touring band. At different points, the band lined up include people like Roy Clark and black pianist Big Al Downing. And this is where I I just really love this girl. She recalled touring alongside Downing, who was sometimes denied entrance into venues because of his race. In response, Jackson would refuse to work the show unless Downing performed with her. Look, he's part of our band. If he's not welcome, then none of us are, she told <laughs> club owners. I mean, this is Frank Sinatra kind of stuff. Right, That's, right. You know, she's a young woman. woman. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And she's, she's young and she's got brass, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wanda continued to straddle the rock and country worlds, recording rock on one side, country on the other, as I mentioned. In the, in the mid-1960s, a British invasion hit. And uh, artists like Elvis and other rockabilly stars declined, but... 
Wanda just kind of switched feet and said, well, I'm a country musician. And uh, she found shelter from falling into obscurity through country music. And she continued that career. In 1972, uh, Wanda and her husband slash manager, Wendell Goodman, who she was married to until his death just a few years ago, and uh, she was deeply in love with this man. They grew weary of the party life, their drinking, their lifestyle, gotten out of control. They returned to church and became committed Christians. <laughs> Uh, and she launched a whole new career oh, wow. out of this. Uh, she pivoted to gospel music. So oh, now she's saying uh, country music for one label and gospel music for another, which is kind of crazy. Wow. In Do you have a gospel Capitol, example for us? No, I don't. Oh. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I have to find one. In 1972, Capitol re- released her first gospel studio project called Praise the Lord. The LP featured vocal harmonies from the Oak Ridge Boys. Yes. That's pretty cool. The record was well-received by Billboard magazine, who called it a beautiful spiritual album. She also continued to record country albums. In the mid-1980s, rockabilly music found its place again in the world in Europe, as did rock and roll, of course. Jackson's Capitol uh, Rock recordings received interest from European fans, and she was soon sought out by overseas promoters. Jackson and her husband saw this as an as a message from God. We're on a mission from God. Uh, <laughs> Please, to brothers. Be able to share their faith to a whole new audience. So uh they saw themselves kind of as evangelists in a lot of ways. So she go and play her old rock wow, songs man. to these clubs and and everything. And then when she talked to people, yeah, she'd tell them about Jesus. Wow, so I like neat. her. In 1984, <laughs> Tab Records released Rockabilly Fever. The album was later released in the United States as Rock and Roll Away Your Blues. When I looked, I could find Rockabilly Fever, but not Rock and Roll Away Your Blues. Uh, the project featured covers of Rockabilly numbers like Stupid Cupid and It Only Make It's Only Make Believe. Writers Mary Boofwack and Robert Orman positively described it as rockabilly fire. Jackson later appeared on country singer Rosie Flores's album, Rockabilly Philly. Following the album's release, the pair embarked on a five-week North American tour. Jackson was surprised to find that her audience was young and the venues were at times uncomfortable. Quote, it was kind of eye-opening. Even though the rooms were were a little frightening, the audiences couldn't have been sweeter, she stated. In the mid-1990s, Jackson also collaborated with the Alligators for a studio release on the success and ELAP labels, Let's Have a Party, and The Queen of Rockabilly. There you go. In October 2003, now keep in mind, she's been at this since 1955-ish or 54. Uh, So in 2003, CMH Records released her first American rock album in several decades titled Heart Trouble. The project was originally intended to be a bluegrass collection. However, once word spread that Jackson would be recording, several rock musicians contacted the label in hopes of joining the album's production. She's an underground hero, you know, to a lot of musicians. Musicians that collaborated on the CD included Rosie Flores, The Cramps, who were a punk a Billy band yeah. back in the day. They played venues like CBGB back when the Talking Heads and right. Blondie and all them were playing. And another guy who I love, Elvis Costello. Wow. All the music, all, all musics, Tom Jerk, all musics, all musics is, all musics is a, uh, a review site. Tom, Tom Jurek, 
not jerk, uh, <laughs> praised the disc in a review. Quote, simply put, this is rock and, a rock and roll dream full of raw, sharp performances, killer songs, and Jack and Jackson's irre- irrepressible ability to take even the most innocent song and make it salacious. <laughs> From Elvis to Elvis, Presley to Co- Costello, this great lady of rock and roll continued to press forward. For some time, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wanted one of Elvis Costello's guitars, and he made it clear that they could have it when it hangs next to Wanda Jackson's guitar. Oh, yes. Well done. Other rock legends, Bob Dylan, Cindy Lauper, Bruce Springsteen, agreed with Costello, and they started a campaign to induct Wanda into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> And uh, let's see, in 2009, at the age of 72, she was induced or inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and inducted by Johnny Cash's daughter, Roseanne Cash. And here's what Roseanne had to say. Here to induct Wanda Jackson into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Roseanne Cash. Wanda Jackson, even her name sounds like a declaration and a promise, (laughs) Wanda Jackson. (laughs) I asked Wanda what she wanted people to know most about her, and she said, number one, I can rock. 72. Number (laughs) Number two, I was a lady, and reputations are important. And number three, rock and roll and God are not mutually exclusive. (laughs) As one writer noted, Wanda was there at the beginning of rock and roll, and for girls with guitars, myself included, Wanda was the beginning of rock and roll. Everyone who cares about roots music and rock and roll reveres Wanda, but in particular, every young woman I know, musician or otherwise, worships her as the prototype, the first female rock star, as she so modestly acknowledges herself. I, I just love Wanda is so full of kind of uh, walking contradictions uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because she <laughs> is the sweet lady with the nasty voice. And, uh, you know, here's this woman of faith playing rock and roll and people are, are you know, even in the 2000s saying, man, she, she sounds sexy and salacious. What's going on here? So <laughs> it's funny, Craig, yeah. um, you, you know, you mentioned that she was an attractive brunette. So I just Googled her a moment ago and she looks so like prim and proper and sweet and innocent and in all these photos that I found of her. But then that voice comes out. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so you're right. That is a contradiction. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it, anyway, in 2018, un- unfortunately, Wanda suffered a stroke, which ultimately led to her retirement. According to Jackson, the stroke would have impaired her more if her daughter had not brought her to the hospital in time. I was so fortunate. She told the Independent in 2021. Wanda Jackson's still with us, 85 years old, going strong. She's retired, but her website kind of looks like maybe you could book her if you just kind of played your cards right. Who knows? There's a book on Wanda's life. Every night is Saturday night, a country girl's journey to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is what it's called. Uh, I believe her 49th record, it is, if I counted properly, was released in 2021 called Encore. This is Wanda Jackson with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. 
performing a song called Two Shots from her final album, Encore. Or is it her final album? We'll find out. Understood, you'll be leaving from this city in a coffin made of wood. I'll get you good. I'll get you good. If you're thinking about cheating, I got eyes all over town. I'll find out where she's sleeping and I'll take that woman down. I'll get you good. I'll get you good. One, two shots to your heart. I could just see this beautiful old lady right performing next to Joan Jett <laughs> in the studio. What what a, what an amazing thing that would what be to trip. see. But anyway, that's Wanda Jackson in a nutshell. If you go to her Wikipedia page, it just goes on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of hard to keep it down to uh, how long did I talk for there? Three hours? Something (laughs) like that. Well, I was going to say for our listeners who have just joined us and heard the name Joan Jett, you are listening to the Mid Modcast. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, one of the neat things about visiting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I always try to get one new person. Yeah. That, you know, oh, just yeah. slip on the headphones right. or read some biography and start playing their music. And it's, it's, it's really neat fun. That the first section that you walk into, like I said, it's kind of kind of the pioneers of, of rock right. and roll. And a lot of it's country music, of course. Country yes. and jazz informed uh you know, rock and roll in a big way. And so a lot of country and jazz musicians there, but uh, right. my last one was sister Rosetta Thorpe and yeah, you know, just different. I think Dave would probably be in there all day. If oh, we ever, oh, yeah. to the we'll, rock we'll, hall. Just, we'll just drop you off in the morning, pick you up when they close. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll stay for an he'll hour. He'll still be at the first, uh, the first exhibit. <laughs> do, do they have <laughs> a bunch like, of vinyl for sale yet. at the bookstore? I mean, at the gift you shop. You know, they do. They, they do have, they do have vinyl for sale, but yes. I don't think any of it's vintage. It's oh uh, no, probably all not newer press stuff, but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that sounds anyway. Great. That's that's it for me here. I think, All right, uh, it's good stuff. All right, I have the the she was called the first lady of the base. Yes, and we have a clip. Oh, are we, <laughs> are we there already? Oh, yeah. Are you oh, wait? Are you done? <laughs> Listen to that bass, more bass. Legendary composer Quincy Jones is quoted as saying, Carol Kay is the best bassist I've ever heard and wrote in his book. His book is called Q. He wrote, some women jazz musicians were so great, they would leave the men in the dust with their playing. And one of those women 
is bassist and guitarist Carol Kay, who recorded more than 10,000 record dates and film calls and was the top call on electric bass from all the way from 1964 to 1973. And she was wow. part of the Wrecking Crew, even though she kind of um, resents that name. She says, we're not really? the Wrecking Crew. There, she, I think it was called the Society. There was another name. Oh. But she says, no, that's not what we went by. So anyway, like I said, the First Lady of Bass and her career spanned decades. Her catalog of work includes hits with the Beach Boys, Phil Spector, Ray Charles, Simon and Garfunkel, The Monkees, Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra. And she also was on a lot of TV and film soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And she has her own character in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. If you remember, she's touring with Shy Baldwin and she meets Carol, the cat's eyed bass player that is supposed to be modeled. That is supposed to be Carol Kay. I think they call her Carol Keene or something like that. But Carol doesn't really care for her because she says she is absolutely nothing like me. Was her quote. I'm not sure how. But in real life, Carol Kay was married and divorced by age 21 and had two 20. She had two young children that she was supporting. And in terms of being a woman in a man's world, Carol says that for the most part, it was easy. This is her quote. Some guys would get macho. So I learned how to outswear them, which oh. I'm not proud of. But I was doing what I had to do. Nice. <laughs> you just outswear them. Anyway, I thought that was kind of cute. But she had that love, the cat's eyes. She was a, a cute girl. She could hold her own. And she says, you know, it was because her language was her guitar. That's yeah. what how she spoke. And she actually grew up playing guitar. And she played, she grew up in Washington, but she played guitar in Los Angeles jazz clubs. She was a jazz musician until a producer approached her and asked if she would do a studio session. And the producer uh, turned out to be Sam Cooke. And after she did that, the studio dates just kept lining up and lining up. And she quickly realized how much more lucrative studio work was. Than playing clubs. Than playing clubs, right. And then one day, this was a guitar, and one day a bass player didn't show up to a session. So they just handed Kay a bass and she quotes, here's her quote, I started creating lines that I always heard in my head that I thought a bassist should play. Awesome. Things I thought a bass player (laughs) should play. So I just provided what the music needed. It's like, I wish I could do that. I'll just do what I, and so she was, she was hooked at the height of her career, the, um, through the fifties and sixties, Kay worked up to three, up to, uh, I can't talk today, four, (laughs) three hour long sessions every single day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's intense. 12 hours of playing. That's. Wow. Yeah. And in an interview in Iraq. She had to have a left-hand grip of iron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? Just, have you seen that documentary, The Wrecking Crew? Yeah, yeah, we saw it together. It is a great documentary. Yeah, I highly recommend seeing The Wrecking Crew. And she said at that point, she was making more money than the president of the United yes, States. I remember her say, yeah, I remember that quote from her. That, remember that yeah. quote? She was working so much. Um, she she invented the baseline of Sonny and Cher's The Beat Goes On. Right. I should have I brought a clip that of too. that, but yeah. I was listening to that. The Beat Goes On. Yeah, that's kind of a cool bass part. And she played on several Beach Boys tracks, including California Girls and Good Vibrations under the direction of Brian Wilson. There's some document, there's some clips of her working with um, Brian Wilson and boy, would he work her to death. He, he would go was, over and over. He's such I mean, a perfectionist. He was kind of a Mozart um, yeah. in rock and roll. I mean, he's right. just boy genius. Yeah. She said like one song would like last all day long just to get it just right. 
And um, Paul McCartney has cited the bass lines on Pet Sounds, um, played by Kay, as the inspiration for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club oh, band. Wow. Did yeah. not know that. And, right. And after music kind of took a turn, she kind of walked away from being a studio musician um, because um, musicians would start to do their own sounds mm. and not bring as right. many hired people in. So she did enormous, mortis, enormous list of TV and film. Mm. Um, and her credits are really impressive. Um, some of the television shows she recorded on were um, Bill Cosby show. She did that cool Bill Cosby um Intro, yeah. Kojak, MASH, Ironside, Room 222, Hawaii 5 wow. Mission Impossible, Brady Bunch, Cannon. I remember Cannon. Streets of San Francisco, Hogan's Heroes, Soap, Wonder Woman, Lost in Space, Barnaby Jones, Green oh Acres, God, and man. Get Smart. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And, yes. Her yeah. hundreds of movie scores include Airport, On Any Sunday, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, In the Heat of the Night. Top Gun, Ghost, these are kind of in Cold Blood, Goodfellas, Downhill Racer, Duel, Bullet, and Escape from Planet of the Apes. And I thought this was kind of a funny, interesting quote. She said, and she's sp speaking about her movie work. And she said, in movie work, you could almost fall asleep. The music was so easy to play <laughs> really? and read. They never practiced before. And there was one sax player. Bud Shank, great, great sax player. He used to read the Sailboat magazine at the same time he was recording his sax part. <laughs> wow, <that's> awesome. <laughs> Most of the time in movies, you just look at the cue and record it. In other words, you never rehearsed it. <laughs> but that was well, I mean, these are pros, though. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure they they had done everything. Well, what's so great about that and, documentary, Paula, is <clears throat> yes. um so in, in the 60s, you know, there was this demand for lots of music to be put out. I mean, everybody was buying 45s and whatever. So mm -hmm. time was money in the studio. And um, they they hired all these crackerjack, like, first call musicians to come in and do a song in one take or whatever. Um, because they sight read really well or and they played, obviously, really, really well. But... Had it not been for that documentary, um, I wouldn't even know who she is. And I was just amazed right. when right. I watched that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. And she um, worked with some of the finest composers around Henry Mancini. Oh, wow. She did a lot of work with Quincy Jones, like I quoted, um, Michael Legrand. Oh, Michelle and Lalo Legrand. Schifrin. Yeah. Michelle Legrand. Yeah. Thank you. Lalo Schifrin. Lalo, yeah. Man. And she is actually a pioneer in creating bass style and is recognized and endorsed as a lead in bass teaching. And she has been for decades. Huh. She's written method books. And as of 2021, the latest article I read about her, she was still teaching on Skype. And she was <laughs> still writing, producing, and publishing educational bass and guitar books wow. and courses. So she had an injury. I can't, I think it was in the nineties. So some of her playing got, then she had a surgery. I can't remember what I read. And when I went back, I couldn't find it, but she did. Um, but she really got into the whole method methodology mm -hmm. for um, wow. base students. And um, as uh, if I do my math correctly, she should be 86 right now. And she lives in California. Wow. So mm -hmm. uh, the latest article I read was 2021 though. So she was still doing some Skype base lessons. Can you imagine that? Amazing. 
Yes. And can you imagine an amazing woman having Carol Just Kay as your bass teacher? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't take everybody. Uh. Oh, no. Sure. Well, maybe we could get her and Wanda Jackson together for an album. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. And I thought I love listening to her interviews, too. She's she's kind of, she's very fun. She's oh, yeah. great in that documentary. I, I should wa- rewatch The Wrecking Crew. Yeah, I kind of want to. Yeah. And too. she's great in Mrs. Maisel's character, <laughs> you know. I wonder what she didn't like about that. It really yeah. makes me curious. Uh-huh. Like, what, how... How that woman was portrayed that she's like, that's not me. I know. I but I, and I love that character. Cool. Yeah. I mean, did yeah, they make her she's really cool or something. I can't remember. No, I but, think she, I think she so. charges room service on everybody <laughs> so else. She's dishonest. <laughs> she, I don't know. She, I remember that Just she would get the, the manager's service. account. She's yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like, she would get a lot I of room. It to, um, but something, something I would that. suggest you to, as well as our listeners, um, you can follow, the wrecking crew movie facebook page and every day they put out content about on this date in 1960 blah blah such and such a song was recorded and the the following members of the wrecking crew played on this song and oh oh, i want to do that carol k's name all the time yeah. She played no everything. Yeah. yeah, I got to do that. That's okay. That's thanks, awesome, Dave. Yeah, that's a great yeah. suggestion. And yeah, it's some great content. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Well, so nice. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of wraps it up for us. It, we would love to hear from you if you want to drop us a uh, message on Facebook. You can find us there, or just send us an email midbodcast at gmail dot com. If you have any show ideas or anything else, we'd love to hear it. And uh, of course, like us. Give us a good a good review and a five star uh, review on on wherever you get your podcasts and uh, help us out. Yeah, and, and there's a lot the of ratings a bit. things that we all have to listen to now that we've learned a few things about these awesome women. Musicians. Have to or get to get, get to. Yeah, I'm sorry. Get I feel to, like I have right? to. I'm, I wrote everything yeah. down, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to just run out and go listen to it. Maybe we should create well, a it, Spotify playlist um, with all these. Ooh, yeah. I would yeah. love it. Uh, yeah. T- take a look at our Facebook page. Hopefully we'll have one up by the time that this podcast posts. So yes. that would be great. Any last thoughts, anyone? Stay I got swell, one. everybody. Stay, Stay swell. swell. There you go. <laughs> we'll go out with a little Mary Ford and Les Paul. Fantastic. Fire con Dios, amigos. Now the hacienda's dark, the town is sleeping. Now the time has come to part, the time for weeping. Vaya con Dios, my darling. Vaya con Dios, my love. Now the village mission bells are softly ringing. If you listen with your heart, you'll hear them singing. 